This podcast contains strong language and adult themes. episode, not because we wanted to, but because of Rona. Shaz, how are you today? You know, every day is different with the Rona, but today is not terrible because it's sunny outside. Not that I can go outside, but you know. What were your... How are you? I'm okay, I think. I don't know. Um, I'm in a state of limbo. Like I, I, I think I'm choosing not to... I don't know if this makes sense, but I'm choosing not to feel anything because I know if I'm going to feel something, it's going to be very extreme. So I'm choosing to be stuck in a place of limbo, if that makes sense. Yeah, me too. Like I'm trying to create these little routines for myself Mm -hmm. just so I can have a little bit of normalcy in my life. Mm -hmm. What have you been up to and how have you been doing that? Oh my word, my cats are attacking me right now. Um, Yeah, I spend a lot of time with my cats. I have three. I've been cooking and cleaning like a really extreme version of myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Reading a lot of poetry because I can't actually concentrate on books because of my anxiety right now. Mm -hmm. But poetry, and that helps. and I've been watching shows on Netflix party with my friends. Mm-hmm. That's also nice. What about you? Uh, I have been actually very productive as, as much as I can be productive. I think I've become very domesticated. Look at you. Yeah, I've been baking cookies a lot. I think I've endeavored to try and find the best cookie recipe for me, at least for my taste buds. I've almost succeeded, but today my oven kind of like gave in. So that's another that I'll have to wait to continue until this entire situation gets resolved. Um, But yeah, Rona has definitely upset the balance of the world and life as we know it, hey? How have you, how has your family been dealing with it? You've been quarantined with your family and how's that been going? That's been an interesting thing. So it started off where we all just wanted to kill each other. But I feel like we're getting better at just dealing with each other, which maybe is a good thing. Like I'm learning how to properly live with them again, because usually everybody's just on their own vibe, you know. Um, And now we're all in each other's faces. How has it been being alone? I think I would go mad if I was alone. I'm actually fine. I don't know. I just, I find it so therapeutic. I love being by myself. I think a few years ago, if you met me, I probably would have been going crazy. But I think I'm at that point in my life where I'm really, really comfortable with being alone. And it's beautiful. It's lovely. You get so much time to think about things and what you want to do. And it's, it's such a freeing kind of space to be in. So... And yeah, and you can be productive without interruptions of other people. So I guess that's always a positive thing. But like, I think what I wanted to know from you, like when you heard about, when you first heard about the cases of Rona and 
the situation and what were your thoughts upon it hitting South Africa and us then going into lockdown and stuff? Give me all your feels. Okay. So when I first heard about the Rona, I was like, listen, this is happening in Europe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is very far-fetched to me. Um, like even when I'm sitting here right now, thinking that I have to stay indoors and the whole world has to stay indoors because there's a deadly contagious virus that's just, you know, out there. It sounds like a plot of a really bad movie or really bad book. And I just, it, I struggle to believe it even now when I'm sitting and, and I'm looking at the stats and I'm so addicted to the news. But back then when, when, when the news first came out, I was just like, listen, this is, I don't know. I stopped going to the gym. I stopped sort of going outside, but I still, I still didn't grasp the reality of it until Ramaphosa made that announcement and he said, listen, this is a real thing. And I was like, oh, okay, it's a real thing for South Africans as well. Mm-hmm. But wow, like, wow. I, I mean, I had to tell a lot of my um, family who don't take it seriously at all, mm-hmm. um, not to come over to my house, mm-hmm. which was not too fun. But I mean, I know they probably still go to each other's houses and they're just like, oh, okay, we can't just go to this one house. I don't know. I don't know how to deal with this. How about you? Like, how has this been? For me, obviously, because I come from a science background, for me, it was real from the get-go. When I was in Durban, when the first uh, few cases, like, dropped in South Africa, that the the seven, I think, from Italy, I was in Durban Mm -hmm. at the time. And so I was, like, worried, um, very worried from the get-go. Because, like I said, as a scientist, with a scientist mind, it was real for me from that, that moment. And I was just terrified because... I was worried about our infrastructure and how we would, what this virus would mean and how I knew we would would have to go into a lockdown. And I was terrified about what the lockdown would mean for us financially and economically, what it would mean for so many people. And I was just terrified. And I think you could see, you've seen, I, I was just going like nuts online, going attacking people, like stay at home, stay the fuck at home. And I think because like, for me, I don't know, like, it's part of my studies, like, you know, we were taught this, we were taught about viruses, so we know, like, whereas you, like you said, sounded like something far-fetched, for me, it was like, okay, shit, like, you know, this is crazy, and it can only get worse. Oh, shit, that one textbook is really coming to life. Yes, (laughs) and I think, I think what was terrifying me a lot is the fact also that people weren't because I had like I was because I was taught that like information about it, I had education about it or knowledge about it. I understand the sure. full impact of what this virus could mean for us, and I was just terrified at the fact that mm. our country would not be able to. Like I could see Italy and what it did in Italy, and I was like worried that you know we wouldn't be able to recover or even sustain the massive blow that a virus could deal. But I think. What was interesting about it is that some people are saying that they see that life, like, I don't know if you've seen it online, people saying, oh, things are going to change after this. And do you believe that? Do you, do you think that when this is over, hopefully soon, that, you know, we will just go back to the way the old system was, you know, the same old system, capitalism, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Or will things change? Because I think 
one thing is clearly evident, and I hope a lot of people see this, is that the current system of capitalism is just not for everybody. And it has led us to this point where we're all incredibly vulnerable, where just a small percentage of people, let's say 8 or 10% of people in our country or in the world, or less than 10% of people are actually safe from this virus and everybody else is just you know vulnerable so yeah what are your thoughts on that do you think things are going to change or do you, you know think i wanna i wanna say oh my word the revolution is here mm -hmm. corona corona has shown us that capitalism isn't viable but the reality is that that north comma north when one percent or whoever that owns all the wealth in the world is not going to give up that wealth and share with the rest of us because there's a potential threat, you know, mm. like they're going to hold on to it. And um, I want to I want to say that maybe what might come out of this is that a lot of governments might become a little bit more socialist. Like maybe they might uh, decide that universal health care is um is the way to go or maybe they might decide that these essential workers who get paid a pittance because you know in a, in a capitalist economy they're at the bottom rungs of the ladder even though they're doing such essential work maybe we might value them more um and i hope that that happens but to say that this virus is going to overthrow the system as we know it i feel like that's extremely far-fetched and if this were a book and and we had corona to overthrow the system, that would be a very neat ending, but I don't think so. What about you? I, I'm also very skeptical as well. I think, you know, um, I, I think we're probably just going to go back to the system with, just some, with a few minor changes here and there. Like you said, I, I think possibly, you know, just what you said, more socialist uh, policies to help people get access to healthcare at least. And hope, I'm hoping it, 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 it strikes that core at least with our politicians because, you know, the inadequacies or failures, and particularly within the South Africa context, with regards to basic hygiene, sanitation, you know, uh, infrastructure, housing and stuff, has basically left us vulnerable in the situation. And I'm hoping that... Mm -hmm after this situation, they realize the importance of taking care of even the poorest people in our country. So that's mm. my hope for, well, at least this Corona situation. Do you think that it's, do you think that we're, do you think there's hope in sight? Or do you think we're gonna go into, like some countries are, have, have implemented like, I think six month lockdowns and stuff like that. Do you think we as South Africa are gonna head that way? Look, I have no idea. I, like, like I said, the only the only um, sort of idea I can get is by reading a whole lot of news stories and looking at patterns. But I honestly am not qualified to know. Um, what I do think, though, is that this virus is definitely going to impact the way our social interactions go for the next few years. Mm -hmm. Definitely, I think that I don't think that we're going to be um you know having these big gatherings which is really sad for me because i love sort of music festivals mm -hmm. or you know like all those kinds of things but i don't see those kinds of things concerts music festivals 
um, like Comic Cons, K Cons, whatever. I don't see those things happening. I also see extremely stringent like hygiene standards in, for example, gyms and things. And I don't think that's just going to go away once we get a, a vaccine. So I do think the way we socially interact and and sort of the way we interact with the outside world and all of that is going to fundamentally change. Mm-hmm. And I mean, yeah, I don't know. You? I don't think, I, I think, I, honestly, I think we're probably going to go back to that way. I think once the, they find a vaccine, I think they probably will start going back. I think if anything, what we know about humans is that they never really learn from our history. I mean, look at how <laughs> we repeat the same mistakes politically, the wars, the camps, the detentions. It's like, we just keep repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And while I want to be optimistic that things will change for the better, I also feel like, no, we're just going to be like, okay, we're over it now. Nothing else is going to gonna affect us. And, you know, what has mm-hmm. also been very frustrating is the response from the religious sector of our existence in terms of all the religious institutions across the world, not just in Africa, like every religion has just behaved really, really irresponsibly during this time. It doesn't matter what religion a person belongs to. They whatever religion you exist there's been just irresponsible behavior with regards to how religious leaders have run the institutions like holding religious gatherings social gatherings you know during this time is just so irresponsible and so frustrating and for me one thing i hope is that you know people who do have religious a religious connection or a spiritual connection to a higher power that this lockdown fosters that connection to the point where they can detach themselves and their faith in God from this person who's the religious leaders who are behaving really irresponsibly. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's a very far-fetched hope, but for me, I think it's one of the things that I hope people take away that they've given so much power in terms of their religion to a man on a, on a platform who's ultimately just concerned about monetary wealth during this time. They want to maintain their power they want to maintain control over the masses that they have, their flocks, uh, and uh, putting people's lives in danger. And I think it's it's very sad. But I hope that's 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 where I'm at. Like I guess I don't know. You? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think that when it comes, what I've seen is that when it comes to religion, people think that believing in a certain thing makes you immune, mm-hmm. almost to to these realities and unfortunately as much as you want to believe that and as much as you think your faith is going to get you I don't know your faith is going to make you exempt like that isn't the reality Mm -hmm. and I think specifically speaking from an Islamic point of view I've seen a lot of people only now though quoting the hadith that says you must tie your camel before so you need to take the precautions and then have faith you can't just have blind faith that everything's going to work out. And I just wish these religious leaders would also, you know, comply. I read about, I read about um, this, I think it's an istima that happened in India where so many people got the virus. And it makes me so upset because India is, has like similar socioeconomic um, sort of realities to South Africa. And the fact that, 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 gathering happened is so irresponsible because we see how countries like Italy and Spain and America or whatever are dealing with the crisis and how difficult it is but in countries like India and South Africa 
you know yeah. like it makes me so afraid and yeah. it just makes me so mad that someone with so much power and so much influence can think that they're above this mm. it's it's ultimately you know? again it comes to show that all the religious institutions are at the at that exist today are be held by a capitalist system i mean they're in bed with capitalism so many religious cases are like no we're not going to cancel our social gatherings because we want the donations and like fair enough mm-hmm. okay fine you want the money you know put up a, a, a create an e wallet create a online something people can your your congregation can donate the money they just don't have to mm-hmm. gather and also if they want to i mean there is technology that they can use to hold like online stuff so you know there are there are options but i feel like they just they just so reluctant because they greed is just showing and taking hold of them but yeah rona 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 okay so shaz since this because of rona we forced to like this is the last episode of the first season what has been your like what is what has been like when i first approached you to do the show and your expectations and and all that stuff what was it go before the show and then going into the show and and talk to me about what it is that you loved uh the conversations that we've had so far and stuff just give it to me you know <laughs> i think what was really cool is that i mean when you approached me to do the show i was like yeah chilled you know i love talking you telling me to talk to you and other people whatever let's do this um i think what i appreciate is the amount of work that goes into the show and the amount of work that you put into it especially Aww. i really appreciate that Aww. um what i love though is how the show took me out of like my comfort zone in terms of guests like as a journalist i've spoken to all kinds of people but i think what was cool was that like you know when you're a journalist you sort of objective and yeah in the podcast i had to sort of be me shazia speaking to people to a a porn star that identifies as a muslim and that you know comes from a similar community to me and to like you know um someone who works in bollywood and you know i grew up um um watching bollywood and i'm literally watching bollywood right now during this um lockdown in case you were wondering Wow. Oh, okay. Um, and also and Sal, you know, um who's who's a drag artist and an amazing drag artist and confronting like all of these different um sort of uncomfortable ideas of where my makeup trends come from and how they've been so uh, stolen from drag artists. So it was so beautiful because it was so uncomfortable and it really forced me to interrogate um my own my own beliefs and my own sort of ideas of the world and and people and yeah i'm i'm truly thankful awesome uh, any any disappointments with the show <laughs> dare i ask no just no not at all just that i wish i think it would have been cool if it was longer and if i think we we would have had some very interesting guests especially the ones that we tried to get but didn't come through for us we really have cool ideas and i think that you and i can i mean season 2 is going to be lit definitely yes in charles in charles <laughs> <laughs> what about you um for me obviously 
the show was my idea and stuff. So I've this has been something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. And thank you so much for it, appreciating the work that I put into it. And I'm I'm really grateful to do the show with you. And and I, I you just bring something that you bring you everything that I think I can't bring to the show. And I really really appreciate it. And yeah, I, I it's it's panning out the way that I want. I think the only disappointment I have would be because of Rona and the situation and how it's basically rendered us very um, unable at the present time to continue. I mean, hopefully we'll find a way to go forward. But um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation with Sahara Knight and uh, the porn star. And it's, it's like I said, like this show is something I've dreamed about for a very, very long time. And it's just, it's really 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 heartwarming to finally get the chance to put it in a tangible tangible form that others can consume kind of thing so i really enjoyed the conversations we had with faraz as well about bollywood i think you know the conversations that we have had even though the, so, the show is very short and even the conversations that we've had together um mm -hmm. and i look forward to more of the of, of our show um future and i'm hoping that you know people love the show as well and they support the show and yeah i'm just i'm i'm hopeful i'm i want to be hopeful and i'm grateful and i'm really grateful and i hope like i pray for more chances to work with you in the future on this and I'll inshallah inshallah i mean <laughs> i, I want to also say that we didn't really intend for the show to be very muslim ish we didn't we but unfortunately here we are <laughs> yeah and that's the thing is like we did have like um we did, we did reach out to a lot of people from different uh walks of life and identities and stuff and you know circumstances it just never panned out and i didn't really want i think it's another thing i was very disappointed is that the show has become very muslim ish it has a very muslim flavor to it and i anybody listening i, I just want them to know like that wasn't our intention and going forward we, we plan to be more inclusive and very varied and diverse and i know these words are also very problematic at the same time but it's it's sometimes like i think one of the things i've learned a lot is that you can have a vision for something but sometimes the factors in life don't take off in the right way to be able to bring that vision into the fruition that you or the the, the way that you you want and the show it currently exists in the way that we were only able to 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 maneuver or, or put out and i'm grateful for it uh, but i'm hopeful for more in the future but yeah yeah that's yeah that's that <laughs> yeah thanks for saying that so Asim. yes tell me what have you been reading, watching, consuming during this lockdown? Uh, okay, uh, I'm also working on another literary podcast show that I've been working on since last year. So I've been reading mm -hmm. a lot of work, a lot of South African literature. So Ooh. I have that show coming up. So it's lots of it's conversations basically with authors, both in South Africa and overseas. I'm really excited for people to listen to that as well. Um, Ooh. Yeah, so I've been reading a lot of uh, South African literature like uh, Barbara Boswell's uh, uh, Unmaking of Grace, uh, Sunyati's Gold Diggers, um, 
Ming Ming Chaolin's uh, Yellow and Confused. So it's a lot of uh, South African literature, but also the show is yeah. very um, it's very woman focused and very queer. So it's woman plus Ooh. queer. It's very diverse, uh, and it's it's a, it's a literary show. I think you probably haven't seen before. And again, it's something that I've been dreaming of for a very long time, and just that's what I've been busy doing. Outside of that, I've been watching a lot of Netflix and a lot of digital shows. So I've been watching, um, I have a thing for murder mystery shows. So I watch a lot of British murder mystery. So Midsummer Murders is kind of like uh, a massive <laughs> passion of mine. I love watching, even though it's very predictable and very corny and like cringy and whatever it is. I, I really <laughs> Um, and I've been baking. Yeah, I've been baking lots of chocolate chip cookies. And I have anything that I've been reading, though. Um, outside of the podcast that I'm working on, um, I've watched. Okay, why don't you tell me, and then I'll, I'll think about what it is that I I've been like I can put out there at least. I think. Um... Oh, I just wanted to say that your show sounds excellent and I can't wait to listen to it as a fellow bookworm and lover of South African lit. Um, so that's cool. I've also actually been working on a podcast, but mine is on popular culture because mm-hmm. you know I'm a pop culture ho. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> nice. I, yeah, so there's that. Uh, but what I've been doing is, um, so since this lock, so s- since the news of Corona started becoming real in South Africa, uh, my anxiety has been really bad. Uh, so I haven't been able to concentrate for a very long period of time. Um, and for the first time in my life, I can tell you that it took me a week to read a book that has never happened to me before since I was maybe like nine. Um, so that's something that I'm struggling with. But what I have been doing is reading a lot of poetry. Um, I've been rereading my old faves, um, but also um, reading new poets. Uh, and what I started doing is, I don't know if you know Huda Katabi. She's like yeah. a, yes, of course. So I, I signed up for her because we've read Poetry Swap. So I'm so excited. I'm writing to my pen pal as we speak, and we're about to exchange our favorite poems. I can't wait. Um, so that's what I've been doing. For the listeners at home, why don't you explain who Huda is and what is the poetry swap? And all that oh, yeah. So Huda is this Iranian-American, um, I want to say, activist and fashion designer. She's super cool. You should check her out on... Um, on social media, and she has her own fashion line called Juju Azad, which is completely sustainable fashion, sustainable and modern, modest fashion. Um, And she went viral when she said in an interview, so someone was attacking her because she's Iranian, because she's Muslim, and asked her how she knew, I can't remember the exact context, but they asked her, oh, well, how do you know? You know these Americans. And she said, it's because I've read. And since then, um, she went viral and everyone was like, yeah, because we've read, because I've read. And she started sort of a virtual book club, which I've been part of for the past two or three years. And so now during this crisis, she started a poetry swap. So what they do is they give you someone, they pay you up with someone from wherever in the world, 
and we're going to like chat to each other like little pen pals and exchange poetry and I'm so excited because I've never had a pen pal and I always thought it was a cool thing. Wow. Um, so that's what I'm doing and I'm also watching really trashy Netflix shows like Love is Blind and other reality TV because I can't concentrate on substantial stuff unfortunately and cooking shows because I flip and love cooking shows. I'm watching The Great British Bake Off and I love it. Oh, wow, Love is Blind. That's the one where they Oh my god, I did watch that. That is like a hot mess. That is so crazy. It's a whole mess. Oh my god, I just I've been watching that on Netflix party with some um friends mm-hmm. and it's hilarious because you know, people are just so shook at everything including me. So that uh, was nice. It was I felt really bad for that guy. I don't know people's names, but the guy who got I think Jessica's the the hot mess. Oh, Jessica. <laughs> is that what she's called? <laughs> She was so disappointing and annoying. I couldn't stand her. And um, which one is the crazy one? Which one? What about the? How is that whole biphobic girl? The girl who is homophobic and biphobic? Yes. Yeah. Wow, what a mess. Yeah, I know that whole situation was. I felt both of them behaved poorly, but her response. Yeah. It was just. But then again, it goes to show how people are so ignorant about people who are bisexual, and they have so much biphobia out there. And unfortunately, the show spun it in a way where they basically villainized him. Uh, did I say it right? Villainized him. Yes, villainized him. <laughs> uh, and he, obviously, his of him speaking in turn that way wasn't really the nicest thing. But at the same time, I think uh, you know it's it just goes to show that how much work we need to do as a species and as a society. Yeah, of course. Because, like, I mean, if you're dating someone and it doesn't come out in the in the first few dates that um, uh, that they're bisexual and it becomes a problem for you later on, then that's that's a bias that you need to address, you know. And obviously, you have a problem, you know. It's uh, yeah, we need to get someone bisexual on the show just to like break down on bisexuality. Definitely, like, definitely. You and, I can, you and I can speak on it. At the same time, it's the, the lived experience of bisexuality. Be, the, the viewpoint from that lived experience will be so much more than what you and I can contribute. So, bisexual people, if you want to hit us up for season two, please slide in our DMs and yeah, Shaza Minds DMs, either one. We are open and ready. <laughs> well, we are ready. Corona permitting, Corona permitting. <laughs> So we just want to say thank you to all our listeners. Thank you for being with us on this short but sweet journey of five episodes. We've really enjoyed recording and we're so sad that it had to be so short. But thank you for being on this journey with us and we hope to see you in season two. Yes, totally. I uh, Thank you everyone who listened. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please share the show with your friends and family and uh even your co-workers i mean people don't really have anything to do you can put us on while you're cooking or baking in your house you can listen to us via your phone and in your car if you're going to buy you know hopefully not panic buy but hopefully you're going to the store to buy something so yeah become our friends and um yeah follow us also online so you can keep in touch with all the projects that charles and i are working on but again thank you for listening and i hope and pray that we get another second season and yeah thank you so much everybody